This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to A Game of Two Halves, a sports podcast by The Straits Times. I am ST Sports Correspondent Sazali Abdulaziz and today I have with me Assistant Sports Editor Rohit Brishnav. How are you Mr. B? Yeah, nice to be here Sazali. Unfortunately, uh, a little bit under the weather, got some flu so it's giving me a very hoarse Hollywood type of voice. As far as I'm concerned, it's still velvety rich. <laughs> so I'm sure our listeners will enjoy your stories today. So another busy week of sporting action we had last week, including in the EPL. Liverpool lost top spot to Manchester City after a goalless draw in the Merseyside derby. Manchester United beat lowly Southampton 3-2 in a dramatic game. But Rohit, I understand one moment in the Premier League last weekend uh, stood out for you. What was it? Yeah, I was just flicking through and you know for me, the inauguration of the Billy Bond stand. Is it called the Billy Bond stand? Yeah, it is yeah. now. Yeah. But for me, you know, it's really intriguing because I was living in Calcutta where I come from in the 1970s, early 80s and we used to have a video library. We used to get these old videos, you know, maybe seven, eight, maybe even a year late or whatever. <laughs> which show that, you, yeah, one yeah, season late. Yeah, yeah, really. You know, I don't know. Somebody might have just brought them, you know, and used to put them in this video library. And it's how I first watched Daglish and all the Liverpool yeah. players, Sunes and whatnot, and Grabala. And it's also the first time I sort of met Billy Bond, so to speak, because they won the FA Cup final twice or whatever. And I found him a very intriguing figure. And then what I really liked the other day, I did not even know this, that he had 799 first-team appearances. Mm. And I understand why players like to change clubs, but for me, you know, I think I grew up in a time where loyalty was a big deal. Yeah. And I, I really like that. And to see him come onto the field with his family and see, you know, these big banners and then the stand and then to cry. I mean, it yeah. is one of the nice moments of sports where you give a, your team so much and then your team does something for you which is just almost blows your mind. Yeah, yeah for all listeners who may not know, West Ham officially renamed the East Stand of the London Stadium in honour uh, of club legend Billy Bonds. It was an emotional ceremony, but, you know, I guess that's how you should honour a legend. I mean, yeah. you know, over 50,000 people, you know, with all the works and, and he said, you know, it's overwhelming and you could see him tearing up and the emotions were so genuine. I think I didn't even really know much about Billy Bonds and I felt emotional for the man, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's nice. I mean, you give your life to your club, you know, that's what you do and then your contribution is so great and then your club gives you something. It's really, it, it was a beautiful moment. And it's not just loyalty. Obviously, loyalty is a huge part of it. And these days, you know, with so-called mercenary footballers going for better contracts, you don't see it often. But it's also the longevity that's impressive about, you know, one club men. Ryan Giggs, you know, for example, he, he's the only player to score in 22 consecutive seasons of the Premier League. I guess it shows something about, like you said, you know, character and quality as well. Yeah, I mean, eventually in the end, I think the greatest uh, sort of sign of excellence is playing well over a long period of time, you know. Like this, uh, what is the name of this Swiss guy? Ah, Federer. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> yeah, I was, okay. I was just going to bring, yeah, bring yeah, him yeah. into I it. I mean, you know, 100 <laughs> titles, you know, this weekend is amazing, you know, yeah. from 2001, I think, till 2019. Oh, that's, and uh, that it's, is, it's amazing. Yeah, it's, it beggars belief at times. And he beat uh, Stefanos Tsitsipas in a rematch of the encounter at the Australian Open where you were at, of course. Just how amazing is it in tennis for someone, like you said, for 80, 19 years to keep winning? Uh, you know, uh, just how... Is it unprecedented? I mean, I, I know there's I mean, been a lot of great uh, Jimmy Connors in the old days had 109 titles and Federer is second on that list. Among the men, just to keep everything in perspective, Martina Navratilova has 167 singles titles. So oh just, to put the, just to put the men Martina. in place. Yeah. <laughs> but look, there, there are a lot of great lessons. I think when we look at these things and we say, wow, wow, but we always say, what are the lessons we learn from this? One thing is, of course, which is not necessarily something you can take from Federer, but is that his style was so easy and is so relaxed. 
is not a hard grinding style like Nadal. Nadal so I yeah. think that takes less out of his body, mm. which has allowed him to play for a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. And he's always liked to play short points. You know, mm-hmm. Nadal style. I mean, that's just who he is. You know, Nadal, who's as fantastic, is to play longer points. He, he takes a while to win a point. Federer now short points make a big difference. But I think what Federer has done really well, and which all athletes should learn from, is scheduling. He's always scheduled himself very well so that he gives his body enough time to rest. So sometimes you can chase points and you can chase rankings and titles and greatness and money. But sometimes if you do that too hard without thinking carefully, your body is going to pay the penalty. So Federer's had very, very few injuries. They only happened, obviously, in the later part of his career. Problems with his knee, problems with his back, but still very few. And this game is hard. Athletically, tennis is incredibly tough game, yeah, you know. Yeah. And so, therefore, in that context to do what he's done, in the context of the athleticism of today to stay relevant, to beat Sissipas is talking about the fact that when he was six years old, he was watching Federer on TV <laughs> and idol- idolizing him. Yeah, <laughs> And now, you know, you're playing the same guy. So I think it's kind of cool for Federer. I think he likes that. He loves the adulation of the crowds. And Sissipas' uh, win in Australia was actually heralded as, you know, the passing of a torch. But I guess, you know, in Dubai, Roger is showing that, you know, maybe it's not time yet for him to pass yeah, that so torch. Yeah, so I wouldn't, yeah, so I, I, I wouldn't have said it as passing as a torch, though some people did. I think it was more about Sissipas arriving rather than Federer going. I don't think anybody dares to say Federer <laughs> is finished. I mean, if you ask me, I, I would say it's unlikely he'll win another Grand Slam title, but I probably would have said that four years ago and then he won many. So, I think we have to wait and see. But look, it's nice. It's just nice to see 37-year-old against, you know, these early 20-year-olds or whatever, 21-year-olds. And it's nice. It's a nice contrast, you know. For them, it's a big deal. They're playing a legend. They want to beat him. You know, if they beat him, they, for the rest of their lives, they can say, I beat Federer. doesn't matter whether it was an old mm. Federer or whatever Federer. Yeah. You know, that's it. I think the greatest respect you can do your heroes is actually to beat them. And talking about delivering under pressure, closer to home, South Korean golfer Park Sung Hyun won the HSBC Women's World Championship uh, at the Sentosa Golf Club on Sunday. Uh, Rohit, you spent a chunk of last week on the Tanjung course and you wrote some great stories, of course. What was the most intriguing story uh, you came across? But she obviously in the end was very intriguing because, you know, she came from behind and, you know, she had a tremendous round, lots of birdies in the end. And I like that, you know, because it's something we are going to talk about later in this in this podcast. But the thing is that it's the old rule of sport, you know, it ain't over till it's over. You know, like you, you have to wait, you know, things can happen, you know, in the, in the last minute, in the last round, in the last match, anything can happen. So there was a nice little lesson there. I also met some very interesting players. I met Angela Stanford, who is 41 years old now and last year at 41, her first major title, which I think was a great story because yeah. I think the story there is of persistence. You know, not everybody is going to be a prodigy who's going to win in 19, 20, 21, 22, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes you have to bide your time, you have to stick with it, you have to do what you're doing and you have to wait for your chance yeah, to But count. it's insane that, you know, like she kept going even after 30, for example. Yeah. You know, whereas, you know yeah, some yeah. people may have set themselves, oh, yeah. you know, if I don't yeah. win by 30 or 32 yeah, yeah, or 35, yeah. but she kept going and she was rewarded at 40, which is, like I said, I enjoyed your, your column and, a lot. And spoke so, she's... A very rare thing. She's like Federer, actually, in a way. She's an adult athlete. You don't usually find people of that age in sport. Mm. So they're nice to talk to because they've been through so many things. You know, they know defeat. They know losing. They know all those things. If you're enjoying this episode of A Game of Two Halves, do subscribe to us on Apple's podcast app, on Google Podcasts, or even on Spotify. Do like it and give us a rating. Back to our show. Now we move on to the second half. You know, I was at a Singapore Premier League match at the weekend where title contenders, Tampines Rovers, they beat Haugang United 5-1. A day earlier, Albrecht's Niigata 
defending champions lost 1-0 to Geelong International. And if you go by what's been said on social media, it's basically Tampanese's title to lose. Which, to me, honestly, is incredible. After, you know, one game played, you know, which I don't know, I'm stunned. I think people are just a little over-excitable these days sometimes. Look, it's good, you know, it gives you a good talking point and say, oh, can they do it? But one match lost is, in my opinion, meaningless, you know. If they lose four of their first seven, then we can have a conversation yeah. that, you know, maybe there's something wrong or yeah. something going on or the other teams are playing well. But it's too early. I mean, I think in, we were just talking about it in golf, like, you know, the South Korean player, she was four strokes behind and she came and she won by a couple of strokes. So, you know, it's far too early. You told me there are 24 matches in the league, right? Mm, yes. This is one match. Yeah. There are 23 matches left, you know. And people tend to sort of just, I guess it's the culture these days. They see the headline, they see the score and they draw conclusions. Albrecht hit the post twice. They had a shot played off the line. They considered a late goal at a corner. Tampanese won big, but you know they played most of the second half with an extra man after Haugang's red card. So there's a lot of stories that if you look deeper, it explains a lot. And first impressions don't often tell the true story. I think when the team, which is the favourite and has won the last couple of times. Three times in a row. Three yes. times in a row. When they lose the first match, the coach can get really annoyed. Yeah. And sometimes it could just spur them on to even greater form. So we're going to see. I'm actually always keen to see what happens to a team which is a favourite, which loses its early match. You know, mm. what's their response? Mm. That's fun. So I would always go to see their next match because I know they're going to be like, you know, pride. Man. Yeah, pride like, is such a big yeah. part of sport. It's also, I guess, a case of it. Like you mentioned, you know, they've been winning so much that people get used to this stylish play. It's like Messi, you know, when he goes a game without scoring or assisting, people say, yeah. ah, overrated, fraud, you know, to today's culture on, on social media. But, you know, we're just used to greatness, you know, which is, we've been pampered, lah, you know. Yeah, you know, and everybody talks about this old thing in sport, wake up, call, wake up, call. They've got a wake-up call in their first match. Come too early, I think. <laughs> yeah. They might get really excited and, you know. And uh, since we're on the topic of first impressions, you know, one young lady who has made quite an impression in her burgeoning career so far is our national fencer, uh, Amita Berthier. In the wee hours of Monday morning, the 18-year-old won the junior individual women's foil title at the Asian Championships in uh, Amman, Jordan. Rohit, you did a nice feature on her, I think centred around the theme of determination uh, for our listeners who may not know much about Amita, I mean, she's only 18 still. What do you think stands out about her and, and her character? Yeah, look, the first thing is that, you know, I'm so intrigued by fencers. I'm, I've never written on fencing before in 33 years till last year. And of course, what I did was I asked her that, you know, can I come and fence with you? <laughs> of and, course. Um, which was very bold of me. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, so I put on all the equipment and I fenced with her. And I was hoping that, you know, I'm not going to, you know, bring her down to my levels and ruin her career. Well, but, clearly well, you didn't. No, no, but, but it was really good fun. I mean, the footwork of fencers. So next time anybody watches fencing, please look at their feet. Their feet are just fantastic, the way their feet move. The rhythm. And of course, their hands. I mean, the hands are so fast, it's like ridiculous. I mean, mm. they're like these old, you know, Western gunslingers from the old cowboy movies. I mean, they're just so, so fast. So that was really good fun because it just gave me a, like a very small insight into, mm. you know, what she does well. So I think with her, I think, you know, like Amita has a certain rage and that's really what you want to look for in athletes. A mm. nice rage. You know, it's a rage during her competition. Uh, during yeah. her competition, you know, this just this desire to be better, to do better. She told me a nice story and I and I thought, you know, these sort of stories reflect an athlete's personality quite well that she was doing some footwork speed test around a couple of cones and she hadn't done these tests, you know, for I think six months or whatever and she had three tries to post a faster time than she had earlier and on her third try and her last try, she posted a faster time than she ever had. And so you think... 
fantastic, you know, an athlete should be really happy mm. that she's trying to chase a faster time in this little test. She's done it on her third and last try, back up and go home. But no, she wanted to do a fourth one because she wanted to go even faster. Mm. And of course, the fourth time she tried it, she did something with her foot and sprained her ankle. <laughs> but I like that. I like that desire. You know, it, I think that's what basically sport is about, is trying to be better, find little incremental small improvements all the time. I don't want to get overexcited about her because she's a junior and the difference between junior and senior sport is massive. It's a huge leap in any sport. Mm. It's like there's so many Wimbledon junior champions you never hear, hear of again or whatever. So I'm presuming the same applies to fencing. That's going to be tougher. But she's doing what she needs to do, which is winning. I think winning is, as we always say, it's a habit. doesn't matter who your opponent is. You've got to win and she's doing a good job. She's racking up titles all over the place, doing very well in college. So I think very, very good yeah. sign. And the thing that I guess strikes me about her, I've uh, covered her a few times, a few of her wins on the World Cup circuit, Junior World Cup circuit, you know, at the Asian Championships, at the World Championships. And I guess one of the things that strikes me most is that, like you said, she's never satisfied. For example, you know, a little old fencer from Singapore reaching the semi-finals of a world championship. For a lot of us who are not top-level athletes, we are thinking, oh, that's fantastic with the top four in the world. But for her, she may have lost by a point or, or something, but she's, she's just so angry. Like you said, you know, she has that rage, that desire to just do better all the time and, and she's never satisfied. And I guess that's what presses me most about her and what I hope will take her, like you said, you know, to the elite level, uh, at the senior level. Yeah, I, I think that's really what it is. And she's such a nice girl. She's a very charming, nice girl. That's the, also <laughs> the, another amazing exactly. thing. Yeah, off the, off the, the piece. totally charming and, you know, of course, she's she was so nice. very kind last year, you know, to yeah. fence with me. I really appreciated that. But I've seen, to be honest, I've seen this change in Singapore athletes you know I've been in Singapore now for 11 years and I've seen this change I think that they're basically just hungrier they're not scared of the world anymore and I think that's a great thing and on that note there's the final whistle bringing to a close a game of two halves thanks Rohit thanks buddy if you enjoyed the episode as much as we did do subscribe to a game of two halves on Apple's podcast app or on Google Podcasts or even on Spotify do like it or give us a rating That was an SPH podcast. Find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts and streaming on Google Home. Do send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at straightstimes.com and bt.sg.